Misha here. If you enjoy our episodes on career pathways in healthcare or the STEM field at large, then I have the perfect podcast recommendation for you, Raising Health. Previously called BioEats World, Raising Health comes from leading venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz, the same team behind the acclaimed A16Z podcast. Each episode, Raising Health dives deep into the heart of healthcare, biotech, and AI with venture capital investors and A16Z general partners. Along the way, they explore the real challenges and opportunities in health and biotech entrepreneurship. So whether you're interested in building a new digital healthcare company or your company is advancing a new novel medicine, Raising Health sheds light on some of the opportunities and obstacles along the founder's journey. Not to mention, you'll hear raw insights, actionable advice from notable guests like Omada CEO and co-founder Sean Duffy, an AI expert and in situ CEO Daphne Kohler. Don't miss out. Follow Raising Health on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and tell them I sent you. A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it, out. it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. We have shows coming up in New York City, special event March 3rd with Springer, and March 18th is our annual Brain Awareness Week show. Take a look at storycollider.org for more information. This week's story is from Obehi Janice. It was recorded in December 2014 at Oberon in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Generational curses will really challenge you. They'll challenge your faith in God, but especially they will challenge your faith in the facts. Whenever someone dies in my family, my people, my community, when somebody dies among us, two things are a given. One, we gather. Food comes in, music is playing, People are weeping and crying and lamenting. Children are in one room, adults in the other, but we gather. We gather around the person who's mourning. Second, we murmur. In 2001, in June, my uncle Victor died from sickle cell anemia. So it was pretty understandable. I was told about blood cells and something. I was told about how the blood transfusion didn't work. Something, 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 but he died, but we knew. My Auntie Rachel was sad, I was sad, everybody was sad, we were heartbroken. He was one of the first young men in the Awohimi tribe from Edo State in Nigeria, in Lowell, Massachusetts, to die, and we were heartbroken. Our community gathered, but we also murmured, hey, uh, sickle cell, oh, it's sad, but the doctors are good, mm-hmm, very good, we're, we're, we, are, we are blessed to be in Massachusetts. Hospitals, eh? We are blessed. We are blessed. We are so very blessed that we know how he passed away. Fall 2001, I went to boarding school in Greenville, Massachusetts, and I was, you know, very separate from everybody, and I was plopped into a new world, but I decided to just take advantage of 
these books and the time that I had and um, just the ability to open up my brain. So even though I knew in my heart that I was not called to a vocation in science, I made a science poster because I wanted to. And on that science poster, I cut out little red blood cells and white blood cells, and I decided to educate my mostly white classmates about sickle cell anemia, something that I discovered plagued people with my skin tone, people from Africa, people in the diaspora, black Americans, because I knew that these were the facts, and that's why my Uncle Victor died. Spring 2002, exactly one day, a year later to the day that my Uncle Victor died, Uncle Festus died. He was the second man in the Iwohimi tribe from Edo State in Nigeria to die. We gathered. We gathered in his apartment. His girlfriend was crying. His daughter, very just kind of blank. What I remember is I went to her, and at the time I had been babysitting her that whole summer. And she was looking out a window, and she's only two, but already you could see that she had aged remarkably. And she's looking out a window, and I say, are you okay? So just to say that I'm one of the oldest at this time. I'm 14 years old, and I'm at this place where the adults let me be in the adult room, but also I'm there to make sure that the kids are okay. So I'm kind of like going back and forth between both worlds. And at this time, I'm trying to be an auntie. I'm trying to come into my own as somebody who can give her the facts. I say, are you okay? No, auntie, I'm sad. Why are you sad? My daddy died. I don't know why he died. I didn't know why Uncle Festus died either. There was a gathering. But then this time, in June 2002, exactly one year to the day that Uncle Victor died, Uncle Festus died and we didn't know why. All we knew was that he dropped dead out of nowhere. So the murmurs were not we are blessed. The murmurs were, who did this? Huh? The devil's a liar. What is this? So he just dropped dead like that? Why? No answers. Autopsy, no answers. A week later, the wake, the funeral, Still no answers. I went back to school. I couldn't make a poster. I couldn't do anything. This time I just tried to really ask God why. I read my Psalms a little bit more, but still I was angry and very frustrated. One year later, and then a month, in July 2003, Uncle Tony died. The third man from the Iwohimi people, from Edo State in Nigeria, a man living in Lowell, Massachusetts, a man with two children, a man who looked fine, whose face had the most amazing smile that always wore a baseball cap everywhere. Uncle Tony, he would drive me around, take me to Roller Kingdom, buy me presents for no reason, who just loved me. Uncle Tony, my Uncle Tony, also dropped dead. This time, my interest peaked and I wanted to know more details. So my mother told me, oh, Behi, they say he walked to work, he got to the reception table and he just dropped. But mommy, I don't under, he just dropped, oh, Behi, I don't know. We go to the apartment, we gather. There is food, 
there is comfort and hugs and a lot of weeping, a lot of crying. But now the murmurs are saying, are you kidding me, huh? You really serious, huh? The devil's a liar. Are we cast? I rebuke this cast, huh? So do we know? We don't know. What do you mean we don't know? What do you mean we don't know? What do you mean we don't know? I went to Uncle Tony's funeral, and that was the first time that I looked into a casket and I saw the shell of a man, soul gone. I remember particularly that we didn't have much to say except upset and anger at the fact that the, the funeral home owned by these Italian-Americans did the makeup wrong on my Uncle Tony, that he looked like two shades blacker than he actually was. That's all we could complain about. We were angry. I went back to school, nothing. I went back to school and just wept a little more and was still confused. I had nothing to go off on. Facts, faith. 2004, nothing happened. 2005, nothing happened. And as the years rolled on, we just breathed sighs of relief that nothing happened. My father, at my Uncle Tony's funeral, when they lowered the body into the ground, my father, a man from the Iwohimi village in Edo State, Nigeria, he tried to jump into the grave with my uncle. And he yelled at the sky and said, take me, huh? Am I next? Huh? Am I next? He jumped and he cried. My father, a grown man, cried. My faith became a thing that actually grew. Somebody who, as me, who, a little girl who made posters, I also read Psalms. And then I started to understand that the murmurs although new for me, became something that I can understand, a sort of counterpoint to God, that the devil does come to seek, kill, and destroy. But I do want to believe that my prayers and others' prayers did help somehow. I have a brother. He's younger than me, um, but he's taller than me, and I love him. He's strong. And I look at him, and I see that he's healthy, and I pray and I pray that whatever link, whatever stream exists in the men in my father's family, that it doesn't reach him. And I'm still angry. I'm still angry that my people came here and they count Massachusetts a blessing, the intellect, the medicine, like a power. What could be more powerful than care and health? But now, because I don't have those answers, something in me feels like all of that failed. That because they couldn't let us know simply why two of my uncles suddenly died with no reason, I wonder. So I still pray. Thank you. That was Obehi Janus, 
Hebei is a writer, actress, and comedian. She's a graduate of Georgetown University and has trained with Shakespeare and Company and Improv Boston. Hebei was recently named Boston's Best Actress by the Improper Bostonian. Her one-woman show, Fufu and Oreos, will receive a production in February 2015 with the Bridge Rep Theater of Boston. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where we have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Weck, Darren Barker, and Ari Daniel. The podcast is produced by Rose Evelith. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Oberon for hosting the show, and to all the giant drifts of snow in New England. No, wait, uh, don't think that. Thanks for listening. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 